Good evening, good evening, good evening. We know this is uh, the KG Fifth World Wildcat and Doc podcast. And uh, our previous podcast, some folks heard the intro music and liked what it was and were curious about the title of the song. The name of that song is Classic Man by an artist named Jadena. And uh, I referenced three of us as classic men on previous podcasts. But I want to acknowledge, I want to acknowledge uh, the passing of a true classic man. My one of my uncles uh, passed away on July thirty first. His uh, home going was today, August fifth. His name was Dewitt Talmadge McAfee. He lived to be ninety five years old. Was married to his wife for seventy five years. Greatness, trust me. Greatness. 75 years. That is awesome. And I just want to read a little bit of uh, his obituary. Please do. Dewitt was born July 12, 1920 in Mount Pleasant, Texas, the fourth child of Anali Ainsworth and Alfonso McAfee Sr. He was especially proud of Phyllis Wheatley High School, from which he graduated in 1938 and was proud of being inducted into the Wheatley Golden Nuggets Club for those who had graduated from Wheatley over 50 years ago. He served his country in World War II as a U.S. Navy aviation machinist, mate third class, and he also uh, served or uh, was a U.S. postal employee for more than 30 years. And he was a member of the North Main Church of God in Christ since his childhood. So he had, he was a true classic man, and he was, he was MacGyver before MacGyver. He could fix anything and with almost any tools around the house. He he he, he could do it It's not. It's not unless it's computer stuff, like technical stuff like that. But I, you know, that's I wasn't Mister Fix It like Uncle Dewitt was. So uh, rest in peace to my Uncle Dewitt. It was still nice to see aunts and uncles and cousins today at the uh, funeral service. So like I said, Uncle Dewitt was a true classic man. And since we are three classic men, we are going to continue and uphold the tradition of other classic men and get started with what we do best. Another KG Fifth World Wildcat and Doc podcast. Fellas, how are you? I'm doing great. It's considering. Considering what? Considering I've been on a, a three-week, three uh, f- uh, a four-week rant, rave, travel, uh Little or no sleep, trying to catch sleep. And then this morning, I endured the traveler's nightmare. A full plane, kids under five all over the place, and it's all open seating, and every seat was full. Where Two we, and a half hours of Where nightmare. were you coming from, sir? I was coming from first uh, part of the trip from Providence, uh, from Newport, Rhode Island, to Providence, Providence to Chicago, Chicago to Hold Houston. Hold up, world traveler. Let folks know why you were in Rhode That's Island. the reason I referenced from the original spot. I was on the road in Newport, Rhode Island this past two days for the American Athletic Conference summer football kickoff. It was a good two days. Uh, Navy is coming into the... Uh, uh, conference making it 12 teams. They will have a legitimate December 5 uh, conference championship. Unlike the Big 12? Unlike the Big 12. 
uh, quite a few <laughs> yeah, well, comments. Don't rock the them. So, yep, that's fine. Uh, oh, yeah, and, and it's totally dessert because uh, during the roundtable, pretty much everybody agreed that trying to schedule from the Power Five to just the group of five, quite a, few, a couple of coaches actually said out in the open, those teams are scared. They don't want to play us. They want to play the teams below the group of five. And that's who we are right now. But our day is coming. And uh, I got uh, the commissioner to give me some answers on when the next contract is up. But he also shared some things. Quite a few of these Power Five conferences, they are sharing their revenue uh, with different networks is why there's so much of a, of a bundle of, of money together. Uh, right now, the conference, uh, the American conference doesn't share that revenue with anyone. And they only contract out on games that they, uh, somebody is, is just to have a sharing of teams can have enough games and all scheduled on, t- uh, on TV to put the brand out. But other than that, they don't share their, uh, their revenue. It's all coming from, you know, either one network or two networks, however many they have available. Uh, right now, one school, and I'm trying to, I can't remember offhand because we talked for a book, uh, it was a good five to ten minutes of one-on-one, <clears throat> and I got lucky. I really got lucky. Um, with the commissioner? With the commissioner. because No. No, because no, I'm going to say this because you and I have spoken to the commissioner before at previous but, media but, days. But, 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 <laughs> but, no, but at basketball, there's one thing. When it's football, everybody's all over the place because there was a couple of guys there from the from the West Coast. You know, that's true, but what I'm trying to give you, I'm giving you props for saying the commissioner recognized you from previous media days and took time out to talk to you. That's what I'm I'm coming from, Wildcat. Well, I understand that. You know, it's it's good to toot your own horn, but it's better when someone else recognizes that you do good. The work you're doing is being being worthwhile to be recognized. Very true. Uh, But he's mentioned something uh, uh, when the next contract is up, and I think as he said – Four or five, but three, three to four, five years down the road. But what he mentioned about sharing with these, you know, these other conferences and all that—that that was new to me. I didn't, I didn't know because uh, I don't know the intricacies uh, of how these conferences set up their uh, their contracts and all, trying to get their brand out there, going with these networks and all. But he did say because of the sharing part of it is why the money is so big. Uh, it'll be interesting, like he said, uh, with the Big Twelve. I mean, not the Big Twelve, the uh, Big Ten. And the Pac-12, when that next uh, contract uh, set of contracts come up, how that gets remedied as far as revenue sharing amongst the schools and how they and whether they accept it or not, he said because that's going to be the big issue the next time around because now everybody like you said, Doc, you've mentioned several times that money is what's what's keeping a lot of te- uh, these conferences in place and the landscape not changing. Right. Um, the other th- thing that he mentioned about. Uh, was getting the brand out and scheduling these games. He wasn't going to get uh, get into the point to where, you know, you must schedule to to uh, uh, enhance your program. He said, but the other thing is, especially in these bowl games, you got to perform. You know, if you if you're going to going to schedule out, uh, outside of the uh, conference or schedule up, you got to put some put an effort in and you've got to perform. You've got to show folks that this conference is what it is. And Hold that thought. Go ahead. Because you were there, following a little bit on Twitter. I shouldn't probably say this, but, you know, okay. on my Go phone ahead. while I'm at my desk working. 
Hey, it, but it, that's why it, I, have, it is. I have a phone, it smartphone. Is. I can follow it on Twitter. It was, it was is that clear. a clear phone? It was clear. No, no, heck no. It's my phone. It was clear. Uh, you know, dig that it. he was Commissioner Resco was very bold and aggressive in his speech. Yep, challenging, acknowledging the brand of the American Athletic Conference. Take being very aggressive, and I'm on, I won't say throwing rocks. Oh, that's, he was throwing that's some. For, that's for us to say. Coaches were throwing rocks. See, the conference is is it's a, a different attitude this their, year. Had their big boy pants on, and they're letting stuff. Sam Cassell, letting <laughs> stuff hang. Okay, because so here's just a few things. I pulled up the speech from the website. Just want to touch on this. Hold on, hold that thought. What are this is Commissioner Oresco's um, t- uh, snippets from his his speech ex- excerpts? What are our goals in football as a conference? I consider us a challenger brand. We continue to be unafraid to take on big challenges. As you can see, we are again playing many games against the best of the Power Five. The combined winning percentage of those teams is 61.4%, but we will not back down. We are energetic, enthusiastic, competitive, and are having fun. We are also friendly. We care about our fans. We value our media coverage. We are already building a memorable brand. As I mentioned earlier, we have done extraordinary things and we will continue to do extraordinary things. We know we have to be extremely efficient, work extremely hard, and compete smarter than our competition in this challenging new world of top-level college athletics. America is about upward mobility and opportunity and that is what the American Athletic Conference represents. We will not accept limitations. We will determine who and what we are. Yeah, it was very bold and out front. Before I really get into it, let me first acknowledge and say condolences to our partner, Chris. Thank you, and sir. to your family on the passing of your uncle. Um, I'm glad to hear the celebration uh, of his passing was a beautiful thing and brought back great memories, particularly when you talk about the quality of man that he was to you all. Beautiful thing. With that, I think it's a perfect tie in when you look at the fact that you have a commissioner that's going out front. And I really like the terminology you use in terms of challenging brand. And when we look at that in the business framework, we're saying that you understand your placement in the market, but you also understand that you can do things to Uh, Increase your brand awareness, uh, if you would, in your brand position. And that is what he's talking about doing. So I think oftentimes the direction of a conference um, should come from the commissioner. In a lot of cases, it may come from the presidents. But now that you get more of this autonomy and the separation, at least from an organizational and a monetary uh, framework, it's important that the uh, conference commissioner lays the groundwork. And it'll be interesting to see how many of the institutions are not only going to play lip service, as you were alluding to, um, but will they really move forward in regards to doing what's necessary uh, to move framework? One thing I will jump in as we have in this discussion that I think is timely is the fact that the Big Ten, uh, during their media day, talked about the fact that they're going to move away from the FCS scheduling i think in this framework really does this is good for the american conference because right now we know the big 12 
does not seem really interested into major scheduling power fives and to some degree they really cherry pick cherry pick who they're going to do in the next five if you would which includes america and obviously the sec still thinks that their brand awareness is so tough um, that they don't even have to worry about it they're going to continue to do the fcs uh, make sure they have their number of home games and believe they'll be in position but with that statement from the big 10 the fact that they're going to move away from fcs programs in 2016 um that they're going to play nine conference games. And the championship, I think, puts them in a very good position in terms of one of those four positions in the final four. I think this does much good to the American Conference to finding somebody that they can schedule because this means they're going to need some scheduling partnerships and frameworks. So the American needs to take advantage of that with the Big Ten and some of the uh, successful brands in that area, and if we add to that, that the MAC has had some success against some teams in the Big Ten, so this is also a way for American Conference uh, to have some success as, w- success as well. And I read uh, an article from Barry Trammell at the uh, Oklahoman NewsOK.com, and Tulsa is, is a part of the American Athletic Conference. And I'm not sure if Wildcat saw Barry at, at the media. I'm not sure Barry was at media day. I don't know if he didn't write about a commentary on it. And the title of it is point blank. American Conference desperately needs notable victories. And two two things. Um, he touched a piggyback on part of Commissioner Ores- Oresco's comments that I read. And he also says uh, from Oresco, we will we will be in the conversation and eventually power six will enter the media and public lexicon and perceptions. Oresco's plan win ball games when the American is matched against teams from the SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12, Big 12 and ACC win ball games and spend money, notably by providing athletes with the cost of attendance, a stipend above the normal scholarship that is now allowable by the NTA. And here's a quote from head coach of Central Florida, George O'Leary. And this is, this is right on point. Quote, we can do that for a couple of years. We obviously can't, can't sustain. When you're not getting a $35 million check, it's hard to have the, that cost of attendance and keep up with everything, end quote. Yeah, that's where my head kind of shook and was like, I'm not sure how realistic that statement is, but then I went back and said, yes, the key is winning. Um, but O'Leary is on top of it. I think at some point we have to knock on the big elephant in the room. And whether you choose to try to eat it one piece at a time, the fact is it's still an elephant. So that's a lot of meat that you need. So with that financial separation, and that isn't going to go anywhere. In fact, I believe it's going to get larger. Yeah. The gap's so my question wider. with the American in a lot of ways or to my colleagues here, do you believe the American is closer to the Mountain West? Better. It's it's funny. It, it's better. It's, it, hold on. Hold that, on, hold that on conversation on. came up during lunch Good. yesterday. Hold that thought. It I, came up during lunch great. yesterday. Because that's it's another better. part of Barry Trammell's article. He's, he references that. That dropping off. Barry would argue that the American is a lot closer in status. Let me slow down. Yeah, Barry would argue that the American is a lot closer in status to Conference USA 
and the Mountain West than it is joining the Power Five. Heck, I'd say that the Mountain West has a better brand because of Boise State than does the American Conference. I would agree, and, the, and that's why my question And the was. first thing that everybody talked about was the Fiesta Bowl. That came up across the board. Like, hey, that jumped out, that jumps out at everybody because everybody saw those games. You go into a, bowl, a major bowl game like that and you jump on a Power 5 team and you beat them down in front of everybody, that changes the structure. That changes the way teams look at you. It changes the way um, kids look at you. It helps in recruiting. It opens up doors. It goes back to... And when the, you talk about the festival, you're talking about Central Florida, right? Right. And their defeat. See, in my mind, first I hesitated in turn. You kind of had to ask for clarification because I was still thinking about uh, Boise State. Yeah, now, it, it started so out I there. I think but. that's the framework that the American has to be careful with because oftentimes you can think better of yourself because you're in the mold than what's really out there. And I think there's some questions in terms of perception. And perception is really important of where the American is and where people believe it is well, versus Mountain West. And, I, and I'll and frame it this way. It still is referenced, as KG and I mentioned all the time, a basketball conference. It hadn't made that move yet over to football to where it's a dominant force. It's getting there. Hopefully this year. But how it, long has the conference I, been around? Right, but, but I think but, no, I but think, I, but but the, but the, uh, what I is, think what part is, but, of what you're saying is true in terms of the length of it, but it goes back right. to um, the comments he made. Uh, O'Leary, in a lot of mm-hmm. ways, is that you have to find a way to do that consistently, right. which he hasn't done, and so that's why I would say if you look at the top tier of the brands, and as since we're looking at those two institutions, Central Florida, UCF, and Boise State, I think. Boise State has been able to sustain it for a longer period of time. Right. So it makes the Mountain West brand, brand. Uh, a, a lot better. Better versus. And, and teams would and, look at that. And, of that course, color. keep in mind, Boise State was ready to leave yeah. the Mountain West for the Big, Big East. East. But then the Big East which, did which, not become the Big East, and Boise State went back to the Mountain West. Right. Which was one of the reasons it didn't in a lot of ways. So and they lost the coach in the process. American, you know, right? So, but here are a few things, and we need to touch on this. So that's that's an, really an important point that you're talking about where they are in the space, and it's something to keep an eye on. Well, see the other thing too, um, not to lose that contention. The fact that the coaching has gotten better, even with the new hires that they, they came in, uh, that was talking about. Right. talked about yesterday. Right. We talked about that as well. Yeah, as, as far as the right. offensive card, uh, tornadoes coming in, you got Philip Montgomery. Um, uh, Coach Herman um, at U of H, uh, Montgomery at, Chad at, at, at SMU, and Chad Morris at SMU. Guys now are looking at, you know, they understand what what is what is it going to take to get that kid offense, you know, into the school recruiting wise, and then two, what's going to keep him there, and what's going to make fans, you know, step out into the stands. Um, Tulsa's in the process right now of making some renovations of getting an indoor training facility just because, they, they one, they hadn't had one ever, and it's needed. Because kids, are not, they, yeah, no they, start, they, they start to talk about that. No question. Um, U of H is in, in a situation where they're, they're talking about a uh, new indoor facility. Coach Herman talked about that at length yesterday. I, I was happy to hear that because 
you know, it's one thing for the alumni or administrator to be talking about this is what we're going to do. But when a coach starts talking about it, that means somebody's in the process of making a a signature somewhere to okay, we fix to get this start, get this done. Um, wait, or, you know, getting their own weight room uh, separation. It, it's probably needed uh, because the, the weight room has been there forever and a day. That was since the uh, alumni center has been built. <laughs> and, well, it, it's true, and everybody shares it, and you basically have to share time. And football, you kind of want to get in, and get your time in, and get things done. Um, Tulane now is, is they they're a year older. They had last year season they had the youngest team in FBS as a group playing a bunch of freshmen and well, sophomores. I, I, I got your position, and I think it's going to be in the numbers. We'll see this season if they can well, continue and, to go in the direction that they need to do, and, and we'll revisit this conversation then because I think it's going to play out in the first part of the season when they play some non-conference games. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that a little more as we follow through. And definitely by the end of the season, it's going to be interesting to see the consistency, I think. Is here's here's the calendar for some dates to, from non-conference games that tremble like reference that the America needs to make headway. Duke at Tulane, September 3rd. Baylor, SMU, September 4th. SMU is not ready. For Chad Morris' first year. Baylor might drop 70 on them this year. Correct. You know, September 5th, Penn State at Temple. September 12th is a big, is a huge, you need to circle the calendar. I'm sure the conference office is going to circle oh, yeah. this calendar date because that, you got that, that could be South a Florida at Florida State, U of H at Louisville, Tulane at Georgia Tech, East Carolina at Florida, Memphis, Memphis at Kansas, and Central Florida at Stanford. How many wins you need that weekend? That's six games. Three. Three? Three. Three. Wow. You need three wins. Because that 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 will set up the rest of the year of whether you get ranked or uh, teams moving to it. Where do you see the three wins? That's a lot of wins. Uh, Memphis at Kansas. Yeah. I can see that. I could see Central Florida at Stanford. Uh, and then I'm hoping and praying that you may be Louisville. And the only reason I'm, I, I agree with KJ on that is two games. That there'll be a second game. East Carolina in. might be Florida. Florida's offense still is in question, so we'll see. You know, the defense gonna be awesome, but you know, mm-hmm. great points. And it's two really realistic. Two for sure. Yeah, realistic. I'm for two, sure. Right, but really they're all realistic, road games, so yeah, I mean, you know, really realistic. And then you have two that Tulane and, and Georgia Tech will be interesting only because of the style of uh, uh, play. Uh, play, you know, that, that, I can't see that. I, I can see Tulane stopping Georgia Tech in, in that in that offense. I uh, can see that. No. And, and that was talked about yesterday, just because of Navy coming coming into the conference yeah. and all. Because everybody said the, the unique, you know, over 100 years of football, but the uniqueness of their offense and what it does. So and then, I, I think it's conceivable you can get the three wins. Yeah. I was off the top of my head. I wouldn't. If, I heard if they don't get one. two, I'd be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now, Wildcat. Yep. They announced the, the conference, was the media? Yeah, the media poll announced their uh, conference champion, who they predicted would win the championship this year. Cincinnati Bearcats received 22 of possible 30 votes. Our former colleague Ryan Coslin is that? Yeah, he was all smiles yesterday when I saw him on Twitter tweeting all this, (laughs) grinning. I can see him grinning through his tweets. You know, he's looking at everybody with that look like, yeah, yeah, I own y'all now. We got something special for you this year. I I own all y'all right now. 
with, I'm like, okay. QB gonna kill at the helms. I mean, yeah, that's, they, that's, I, I'm a that kid being the team to beat. They, they are, they, they look like a power five team, literally. That, that group is it, put together because Tuberville talked about, you know, I've been on both sides of the, of the rim. I've been at the top and not get in. I've been at the bottom and stay, you know, and, and keep my job. And then when I make a move and get up, get run off, you know, so it, it just depends. I mean, and listen, listen to this about Cincinnati. He, he has a lot to say. This is, this is impressive. Uh, Cincinnati returns 15 starters from last year, a team that won 71 in conference, mm-hmm. including QB Gunnar Keel, who threw a league-leading 31 TDs in 2014. Keel has his top seven receivers back from last season and will be protected by an offensive line that has 76 career starts to his credit. That's a lot of protection up front. Damn. That's a lot of protection up front. Man. So, yeah, I see why they are the conference favorite. That's <laughs> nice. Numbers like that, yeah. UCF only got got the other uh, first-place vote in the East Division. Because of Coach George O'Leary. And it looks like, correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Football Guy. Yeah. That the West Division is the uh, better of the two divisions in the conference. Yeah. A lot more competition, a lot more uh, uh, styles that are worked uh, similar, but it's basically it, it'll be a, it'll be a run and shoot type situation. But folks, it's gonna be hard st- stopping everybody every week just in, in, on, on the West of it, just because of what they do offensively. Um, Memphis, they uh, in a mode of being getting better. Being better than what they were last year, not just being satisfied to go into uh, a bowl game, you know, and 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 that's an accomplishment. But conference championships is what sets you apart. That's right. And uh, it was quite it was it was quite a, a few people that agreed that Memphis deserved being uh, the uh, in front of U of H. I don't have I don't have a problem with it. Uh, the, even though U of H has beaten them last five times, but, but, but it's, and that's because U of H does that does that offense better than most folks, right? And I mean, Memphis went seven and one, and their one loss uh, was the U of H. But they went ten and three last. Talk about Memphis Tigers, their best season in almost forty years. Memphis before and, last and, year was crap in football. I mean, and, they were just they didn't care about football. At the you know at the administration, yeah, it, it was men's basketball I, and I, nothing else. I asked coach about that, and he said, you know, it is it, it does bring about a difference. He said we're in the process of putting some things, some plans together. I've got some ideas I've I've put out to the administration and to the alumni and to the friends of the program, and hopefully, in the near future, it'll get done. And you know what? When I heard him speak, the last time I heard that conversation was Kevin Sumlin. And what – because if you're going to make a commitment to getting better, not just in the classroom, but also on the football field, it's got to be a, a community effort like in Tulsa. Uh, they they talk glowingly about how that community is, sets itself apart from everybody and getting involved in what's going on on campus in the community and all. It's it's just a big family up there, and Navy's in the West Division, so the 
Interesting. Predicted order of finishing the West Division is Memphis got 13 first place votes, total 153 points. U of H second with 10 first place votes, total of 149 points. Navy with seven first place votes. And that's a reason. 148. So you see it's real close from the top three. Memphis, U of H, and Navy are the top three uh, basically bunched together. There's going to drop off Tulane, the fourth and 74 points. SMU at 59 points in fifth. And then Tulsa, sixth place at 47 points. Navy, I, I, I refuse to butcher the, the coach's name. And I've got to, I got to grasp it, and I've got to get it done because they come to town to play U of H. And Correct. by the time they get here, I have to be able to <laughs> to pronounce have his a, name, Doc. I, I got it. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I'm gonna tell you, everybody kind of looked around. And they basically said, "Coach this, coach that, coach this, coach that." Only uh, Chuck Sullivan and uh, uh, Commissioner Rusco got had it down pat. They was just like it was just like rolling. I was like, "Yeah, that's good." I mean, I I got I got a place to get. I, I got a aspire to be. But he mentioned one thing yesterday, and it was one word that he mentioned all day long. It's gonna be a fight. We'll fight every every day in practice. We'll fight every day every Saturday. We ain't backing down. We may get knocked around, but next Saturday we're gonna be ready to go to work. It's gonna be time to go. It's gonna be ready to get into another fight. We well, you know who it's the, gonna, the AD is at Notre Dame, right? And you know what? I didn't see him yesterday, Mister Chuck Gladchuck. And I'm gonna tell you, I, the only thing I'm glad about he left and we got uh, got Dave Maggot. That's the only thing I'm. <laughs> that's the only thing I'm. Left. But but Chris, address those tweets. Fans of the Navy to J.L. Woodley one on Twitter. The man left out in the middle of the night. J.L. Woodley just, one. He, he rolled on out Twitter. in the middle of the night. Just left. That's the just, fifth just boardwalk left. at reach him on Twitter at J.L. Woodley one. He didn't leave no notice or nothing. He just called and Once said, again, "I'm out of here." That's true. I'm going to Navy. Woodley Junior. They offered me a Twitter. better deal. <laughs> and the day we met over at, we had media day over at uh, the Hilton. Ooh, look at that last name, Ken. <laughs> N I U M A T A L O L O, and I'm gonna tell you that man talks about fighting every sentence Coach, out of his words. Coach out of, out of his mouth, it's about fight. New Matalolo. That's I work on that too. I, I got to see get, yeah. get the pronunciation guide and see how they, how he pronounces his name. His name is pronounced. And I'm gonna tell you, the military, they ready to go to war. They had two. They had one big guy yet that yesterday. Trust me. Homeboy would not be on a ship. <laughs> he would not be on a ship, and he ain't cooking. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't cooking. This young man was huge yesterday, and they were in that dress whites, and I'm going to tell you, they looked good. They looked real good, and there was a lot of buzz around them, and it was basically a cattle call when, it, when that time was was up in the breakout session. Never could, never, never was, and I, I like that. Uh, uh, it was good to see as many uh, media people there yesterday uh, got treated well. Breakfast, lunch, catered. It was it was nice to look out on the bay. He is just the second coach since World War II to lead Navy to a winning record in each of his first three seasons at the helm. And he also won the uh, was the President's Cup, I think, uh, the Commander in Chief Trophy. Yeah. In his first two years as head coach. I that's mean, a, he jumped on everybody, academies, yep. including Air Force. Yeah, and Force we all and know that's a hard off yeah. offense. Yeah, he's getting it done. He's playing some good. My uh, brother-in-law is a Naval Academy grad, so. 
That, you know what? He's he a good enjoys, man. He's enjoys. He, he's going to enjoy. He's going to enjoy. He's going to enjoy. Chief trophy right now. So I can imagine. Him. I can imagine. They talk talk about that like they talked about that this week. Yesterday, it's gold. It, it, the, the rest of it doesn't matter. And that's Mr. William Washington. Hammers. A.K.A. Billy. And the other thing I noticed about uh, Coach Ann, he sat in on the other division's roundtable yesterday. No, I didn't see anybody else come in once they got done with their individuals next door and came and sat and watched the other division. He sat through the whole thing. I found that very interesting. He's gonna be. They they are going to be prepared every week. I mean, they always have. There's no question that they come to fight. They're a very difficult, gutty team. What they lack in terms of traditional power and skill, size, speed, is, is, no. their, is their heart, effort, and that, and that discipline. Discipline, and it's been a uh, key component. Unlike Army, they've been able to. Um, Really do well in terms of what they want to get done. Nia Ma Tololo. Nia Ma Tololo. Ken Nia Ma Tololo. There we go. Navy head coach Ken Nia Ma Tololo. There we go. Matalolo. He gets that done it out for the project. He, he gets he that done. Because <laughs> he's got better effort. He's got better effort. Very good. As I'm closing out the summer session and with the final examination uh, for the online class lasting to midnight, uh, it's time to put in grades. So, Chris, uh, we'll make sure that you understand that you earn A plus for the day. With that, talking about being <laughs> on the bay, I was on the road traveling, so I could really relate to some of your air travel. Um, I will bring out the name of the airline because they did me justice at the end. Oh, give them credit to that Southwest Airlines. <laughs> uh, from the fact that I had a flight out of Houston and all of it wasn't totally in the control because as you talked about the week before when we were on the podcast, right. is that the Delta's national biannual right. national convention was right here in Houston. Well, it seems the fact that the they decided to have very nice uh, biannual books, collection books that you do, about the convention and the history over the last two years uh-huh. since they began. And so they had some problems with loading stuff on the flights. It really slowed down flights coming out of Houston. Well, I happened to be lo- leaving Houston that Wednesday. And uh, Deltas were on the flight. Oh, flight. yeah. Actually, one of the flight attendants was a Delta. Gave a shout-out, oop, everything, oop. So I was like, wow. Just, uh, oh, so they like, got down the house and get but, thing? But all that being said. I got into Atlanta at 325. The problem with me getting in Atlanta at 325 was the plane that I was scheduled to f- fly out of Atlanta into Raleigh was leaving at 325. So I didn't catch that, as you can imagine. Right, Next flight right. out was at 7. Long story short, if you would, is the fact that that flight was full. So the next flight out was 10. It was delayed to 1040. So we got into Raleigh literally at 12, 15, 12, 30, and had to make a three-and-a-half, almost four-hour trip to Norfolk. So I didn't get in until 4 o'clock Ooh, Thursday morning. Boy. So it was nice. But when I checked in in the morning, I woke up, was overlooking the bay, 
as you talked about the waters, nice place to be. Oh. I'm not sure it's your same type of bay, but it was hot. So it was nice. Oh, it was a beautiful day. The fact is, doing this, I got a chance to go to Hampton University. And boy, I could see why Hampton University uh, alums really love their campus. It's on the water. It's beautiful. Stuck my hand in the water. I didn't want to call myself out and act like I was had some culture. <laughs> so I didn't put my foot in the water. So, so you you didn't you didn't go to total to it. Yeah, right. You didn't go to total. Nice, but I was. It's really you hear about this on the bay and you see pictures. And yeah, you get up there and you oh, actually yeah. see it. It's pretty cool. You actually seeing the selling regalia that they have. They're the only HBCU with a selling team. You seen the boats with the numbers on it. Wow. He's like, wow, wow, yeah. oh yeah. That's so good. obviously. Since we're on a football trip, you come in on the campus and they actually have um, a mall, if you would. Oh. On campus is really nice. I haven't seen many HBCUs with that framework. So they're really industrious in terms of what they do with private money when institutions start to get on it. They got in front of that. But really wanted to look at the athletic parts. Obviously, talking sports, went over to the football stadium. Magnificent. People talk about them oftentimes because it's a relatively small stadium in size, 8,000, what have you, 12,000 uh, to that nature. But it's brick veneer. It really looks nice. Uh, it really makes you think of Hampton, private institution, uh, first class. And I was like, I was joking with some colleagues a little bit yesterday that even at the uh, luncheon, as you could tell, the Hampton people, they sit at their glass, I mean, at their table and look like they were ready to have wine and cheese. And people's like, oh, you throwing? And I said, no, it's it's pretty nice. This is Hampton. I like this. <laughs> are, are, are they are they the real eights? Eight you. That's what they like. That's to say, the real, the real, the real eight you, right? Yeah. Game will be the nineteenth early this year. And Washington D.C. is a capital classic where they have the battle of the real eight you against Howard University, another known as the Mecca. But Hampton is getting it done right now. <laughs> so it'll be interesting. And then. Uh, we'll jump into the top team, but with that, since I'm on Hampton, I'll put it out there. I think A&T, number one class of the MEAC right now. Broadway really had a chance to get it done last year. Interviewed um, Tarek, and we'll talk about him a little further, where those preseason players, and that's running back Tarek Cohen. Uh, he had the fumble in that game. It cost him the game, literally. Obviously, coaches will talk about the fact that one play doesn't cost you the game, but they were that close to wrapping it up, and that fumble uh, was the difference in them late in the game, at least, where in them, instead of having a championship outright going to the playoffs, they actually shared the championship with the MEAC with five ways, which really was one of the themes of the media day, particularly with North Carolina Central, when they were talking about leave no doubt. And that kind of was the theme for a lot of those teams, Many of them were talking about how they really don't use their rings or wear their rings, five-way tie. Everybody wants to add an individual crown. Uh, interesting enough, when we talk about the Big 12, they couldn't decide whether they're going to have the true champion, and then that didn't work out. But it looks like <laughs> the MEAC wants to find a true champion with the teams there, throwing some bars, if you would, digs within the framework of the Big 12 as we trying to figure out. Throw those rocks. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you got to. We throw those rocks. That's what we do here. Sometimes you have to. So, as we move forward, Hampton with Coach Maynard. Actually, people recall I talked about him interviewing for here for the job at Texas Southern. Right. When he went on his run with Salem State, played for a national championship, made the semifinals during his run. I think if there's a team outside of A&T that I say is surprised to keep your eyes on, it's Hampton. 
Some people say surprise team look at Norfolk State Spartans. Uh, both these teams are ranked six and seven respectively in the top five, so you not look at them. Uh, with the Virginia State uh, coach coming over, uh, Coach Latrell Scott, uh, he might have the Spartans ready. They have top five defensive team. The question is, is can they get anything on the offensive side of the ball? They got some transfers coming in, so it'll be interesting what's going on there. As I talked about Hampton, they did get two first place votes. Let's run up the top five quickly. No uh, disrespect to the other team. And this is your top five for the media. This is the media uh, predicted finish order, a finish for the 2015 season of the MIAC Eastern Athletic Conference, better known as the MIAC. In regards to Morgan State Bears, number five, um, Coach Hall. Excited about his program. He's really got a lot of history going back. He's brought in alumni. This is a rich history program, uh, Morgan State. Similar for people around this area of what Prairie View was with the championships they won in the 50s and 60s. Uh, people may not realize Morgan State actually has four Hall of Famers. And when I say Hall of Famers, it's NFL Hall of Famers, uh, just like Grambling. And that's the team they actually used to play in the New York Early Classic. Uh, that was big-time game. Uh, with Doug Williams playing in those type of games. Uh, you had Coach Ernie Banks coaching over there. Uh, so for Morgan State, Eddie Robinson coaching for Grambling, big-time games there. So they're trying to reassert themselves, but it'll be interesting to see can they get a share of that championship. Number four, North Carolina Central Eagles, four first-place votes. Uh, moving forward, a lot of talk there. Bethune Cookman, new coach coming in there uh, as – Jenkins left for Alabama State. Many people heard about that. So be interesting to see what Bethune-Cookman Wildcats players there. One question I got to ask the players I thought was interesting. I asked them, you know, who do they think has better talents and why in between Texas and Florida? Coming in Texas, I wanted to ask the question and make it a little lively and get it back to what people think. Players said, said a lot of speed in Texas. He said, but the difference here in Florida, speed. Can't teach. No, no, no. You said heart or hunger. The second part he said, though, was he said the bigger difference he thought of why it even makes a bigger difference is the fact, and I was going to add that, so thank you for putting that out there a little bit, the fact that he said he thought also another component of it is that there are more players with heart down there in terms. But he said it was because they came from – Disadvantaged homes in regards to why they have more heart and pain to get out of. And we situation. don't here in Texas, <laughs> you know. What I, I, I thought I, was interesting from this framework when he was talking about it is if you really look at our urban schools, though, our urban schools have not been able to sustain the type of success as the historical urban schools in Florida, especially when you look at Miami Northwestern. So I was having this conversation, was trying to figure out. What is the difference in that? I wonder, do they still have a lot more urban kids that are playing football? Not that they have more heart, but the fact that they stay in football to try to change versus our players not doing this. When you have places like Yates, um, obviously. But I, I think the other thing. St. Lincoln, those kind of programs have not been able to stay the test of time. I think it gets a little different when we start looking at the urban programs. But our inner city But I look at it. Well, let me, let me phrase it this way. I think it has more to do with people have stepped out into suburban areas, living styles, and uh, they they've moved out of this. As a, as a parent or the grandparent lived into the city and didn't move and then I, I, I agree with that, but to and, me that's saying the same thing is that it's more economically depressed there, so you can't move out. 
of those places. So the cycle of disadvantage continues to depress people in that area. All right. But with that, number two, South Carolina State, four first place votes in North Carolina A&T. As you said, number nine uh, with first, uh, with nine first place votes uh, coming from the predicted order finish. Talked about a little bit of North Carolina State running back, Terry Cohen, social media phenomenon. Jumped off the thing. Even got his uh, five minutes of fame, if you would, with ESPN when he turned the flip and caught the two footballs with his hands. Oh, yeah. So that's – okay, I knew that name sounded familiar. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's yeah. the guy. He selected a Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference preseason offensive player of the year. Uh, I really like his be. attitude. Really like – well, there's, there's Walker now from Morgan State. He's a nice little short running back, too. He's impressive, but uh, I agree with you. I think you have to give him now, Terry. There's some good football being played, and I'm telling you, if you're talking about some quality of coaches, I think this is probably the best depth that the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference has had in terms of quality of coaches. From you know, uh, So it's going to be a dogfight week in and week out. You have some good coaches. I told you about uh, uh, what was going on there. So I like this energy. I like this confidence. Not necessarily cocky to me. It was confidence. But then we go on to the preseason defensive player of the year, which is defensive tackle. Javon Hargrave, off the cloud, very savvy young man, very keen about what's going on, but he on the field, he's a beast. He gets it done, uh, topping the nation in terms of tackles for losses, uh, just really knocking people out, 23.5, 190-yard yards uh, in terms of tackle for losses, 16 for losses of 199 yards. You talk about Defense tackle causing teams over total season two hundred yards. That's two football fields. He that jump. means nobody in front of him <laughs> is blocking. Nobody is blocking. And coach, at some point, you got to block somebody. That means he's putting in work. That's what it means. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, it might be some folks blocking, but they can't block him. Depends on how you want to look at it. Fifty-five total tackles, three forced fumbles, one recovered fumble, sixty-one yards, eight quarterback hurries, and two breakups. He's a beast. He gets after people. Let's give him some credit there. But with that, because I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure he's double and triple team. He still puts a number. He'll, like be, playing exactly. He'll <laughs> be playing on Sunday. He'll be playing for somebody. He's on somebody Sunday. look at. He's somebody to keep on your radar in terms of you. What I thought was kind of interesting was Delaware State and Savannah State, respective ten and eleven, uh, got one first place vote apiece. So. I don't you, know who was playing. Yeah, because I'm going to ask. I'm, a, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to ask. I guess I will share some love for uh, number eight, nine, FAMU and Howard. Unfortunately for them, APR issues, they're not eligible right. to go to earn How, a championship means playing in the Celebration Bowl this year against the SWAT championship. So that's kind of what's hot this this week. And the Celebration Bowl is going to take place when? December 19th in Atlanta. I've already booked my tickets. I will be there on the road. How far are they away from – Correcting that and, and, and being viable next year with FAMU. FAMU is just starting over. They got a new coach. Uh, he looked like a professor coming in there. Some people say he looked like the president of FAMU. And everybody thought, hey. That means both times. But, uh, but this guy has a lot of, of depth of coaching background. Uh, Woods, if you would. Uh, Wood. No S on it. Wood. Um, Alex Wood. He's coached FBS level. Uh, he coaches Southern for the championship team, so he has experience SCS, uh, defensive coordinator, offense. He's done it all. So if anybody can resurrect FAMU, 
I think he can do it. The question is, is can he get the total support of the administration as he needs? He has a new athletic director coming in. Talked about him coming out of Oklahoma, has experience, last experience at Alabama. So he's seen some great things. But obviously a lot of it is based on very well-financed programs actually spending some time in Texas A&M too. So how can he translate those frameworks? Leadership coming in, he talked about getting everybody involved. And I think that's one thing that the last athletic director failed to do. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I also talked about the fact that this guy played with Ben L. Calvo, uh, senior grandson, Ben Calvo, at, uh, at Oklahoma for three years. And Ben L. Calvo, senior, as I talked about, is the HBCU award. is named after him. But So those are interesting things. Some nuggets I wanted to get back into this area I thought is a little bit important is the fact that there's Greg Gibson, 41, linebacker, Lamar High School. Houston, Texas, 6'2", 215-pound redshirt sophomore. Keep your eyes on him. He might find a way on that watch list for the Ben L. Cavill Senior Told you HBCU Football Award as you come in. Let me talk about what he did as a redshirt freshman. Started eight of 13 games played, racked up 68 tackles, 40 solo with three tackles, four loss, 1.5 sacks, had six pass defenses, was the team's fifth leading tackler as a redshirt freshman. Right here in our backyard, registered a season-high 11 tackles, and had tackle for a loss during the Bears' homecoming contest against North Carolina Central on October 8th. Caused uh, Central to have that five-way tie, which is uh, obviously quite important when you think about those things. Then you also have uh, the fact that uh, he had nine tackles in the New York Urban League Classic versus Howard. We talked about the Urban League Classic. That game is not played this year. he was also played in the Bayou Bowl. We talked oh. about that. Um, he earned the uh, award for Lamar. I won't use the term they used for the award since they changed their mascot. Uh, but I think that's important right here out of Houston. HISD. In terms of what he got done. Also, another kid out of Houston, or the greater Houston area at least, is Johnson, Kaylee Johnson. Uh, the quarterback from Pearland. He's pushing for a starting position at Howard University. He's right now slotted as the number two guy, but that's somebody to keep your eyes on to see uh, if he'll get a chance to get his time this year as he's getting it done. I I thought that was interesting to keep your eyes on. A couple of guys out of Houston in regards to folks uh, doing some big things. As we talk about Texas, as I start to close out in terms of the HBCU report, there's a Dominique Woods, a junior from Morgan State as well. He's the only player out of Texas, at least, that made the all-conference preseason first, second, or third team. He made the first team as a center. Uh, boy, mm. could you use a center over here at Texas Southern or at Prairie View? Uh, Prairie View has a little better in terms of line there, but uh, – <coughs> Talk about it. He's out of Dallas, Texas. He calls it Skyline, Texas. So give him some kudos. Oh, and some oh, oh well. That, that's <laughs> some love there. Uh, oh, no, whatever. He's from Dallas. Whatever. <laughs> hey, we Texas podcast, man. Good, good, good kudos to him, though. Good Now that everybody's – you and I are finished with our football oh, road trip. The work. reason I said that I gave Southwest okay. and I talked about what they did, I did let them know that I wasn't happy about the trip, and they did give me the $200 voucher. So. Speaking of that, they were offering $300 vouchers to the wrong direction for me. They <laughs> Southwest offered $300 vouchers uh, at, for, uh, what was it, Salt Lake City. And 
I just wasn't traveling that direction this time. <laughs> and it, it was, plus, it was the one way, you know, the automatic plus the $300 voucher one year anywhere. And I'm going to tell you, folks, it's good to travel public transportation when you can get it, you can afford it. But when they start offering vouchers and free upgrades, you need to be taking advantage of them. Trust me. Cause they don't offer them all on a regular basis. Some of these folks are cutting back on your, on your uh, amenities, and you don't even know it. You need to start paying attention when you start uh, booking your uh, flights and your hotels. Uh, I'm not gonna get into it, but I will. I will mention that uh, I'm in the process of writing my trips and all up now uh, because I'm getting my surveys in, and uh, you, you'll be able to find them online. Trust me, I'm signing my name to them. I'm not anonymous. I understand. Cause. I understand. Uh, it, there's a reason that they got a con and not a pro. Exactly. And the final thing I'll say about the MEAC, the MEAC, unlike the SWAC, the SWAC has now become media-friendly or about the media. The MEAC is more like the SWAC was in regards to it really being an event. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because it allowed the fans to get involved. Uh-huh. It's really – a luncheon, and now you see why they call it the MEAC Coaches Luncheon. So, if you're a media person, you should understand that by the title. Oh, yeah. It's, that's yeah, what it's for. So, we get in early, and then the luncheon takes place. So, um, they changed it around a little bit. Uh-huh. So, we had to go around the tables to really get the people. Uh, but you can tell it's really more about the luncheon uh, component of it, which is for the fans. Norfolk State was there deep. Um, North Carolina Central fans brought a bus up, so they were pretty deep. Whoa. At several tables. That that's saying a lot. A and T, you can tell by that Aggie pride. They represent it. So I told you about Hampton already, how they were there in the house and all the other teams and fans were there too, but Norfolk Stop. really was there. Wildcat. Yes. Four weeks from today. It gets interesting. The Labor Day classic. Now Saturday, Doc, Doc just 5th. referenced something about uh, that, that that's got me bothered real quick. The middle of the line, you mentioned the center position, Doc. That's not good. That means right up the gut, right up the gut. There, that, that. Well, I think offensive line play. Uh, there's a couple of players uh, from Prairie View that's on the uh, first team preseason all swag. So I think Prairie View's offensive line will be pretty solid. I'm just saying in terms of the center spot, little question there. I don't think it's that much of a question mark. I want to be open and honest with that. But just kind of putting that out there in terms of what's going on a little bit there. So want to make sure. Where will y'all be on September 5th? I'll be at the game. Yeah. Where will you be? BBVA, Compass Stadium. I've already made plans and all to to be there. I'll be tailgating with my Cougars when they roll over Tennessee Tech. Well, I, t- I told uh, – Yeah, they will run over to the, yeah. the new era. Uh, yeah. I'll be over the there. Tom I, I think era. this is going to be an interesting game, so I want to be in the house. Offensive lineman, I was talking about the first team, is Glenn Hazley, Prairie View. Uh-huh. Um, so, it'll be interesting. Louisiana guy. Uh, he'll be trying to block for Jonte Abair to see what's going to go on. And I think really the key part of this game this year, in a lot of the ways, is similar to the last couple of years. It's going to be Prairie View's offense versus Texas Southern's defense. Um that's the key. You got a couple of defensive players. We talked about Amir Bloom coming back, second team, all-conference off of injury. What is he going to be able to do? We talked about Courtney Brown coming off offensive injury in terms of running back. He was at media day. He seemed 
strong, powerful, and ready to go. But you got a new coach. So a lot of people are excited. So the question to me, uh, similar to what you're talking about, where would you be? What is the going to be the attendance numbers? Uh, if this is going to revitalize itself in a lot of ways, particularly as they switch it back and forth, where it's going to be, it looks like it's going to be more of a campus game. It's Prairie View is moving forward with their own campus stadium looking up next year. There's some words out there that they'll probably move it down the campus next year. That's not a final line, so that's open for discussion in a lot of ways, but something to keep your eyes on and think about it. Hey. But what is going to be the attendance of the game? Who's going to come out to, uh Outcome, people want to see what Willie Simmons is going to do. New coach at Prairie View. What is he going to be able to do? Offensive guru at Alcorn leading with the Houston native quarterback, John Gibbs Jr., to a championship. How much of that was John Gibbs Jr. Uh, versus how much of that was the coach? Obviously, it's a combination of the two. But people want to know. This offensive genius, Willie Simmons out of Florida, actually grew up right off the hills of Florida A&M, FAMU's campus. Wife is from FAMU, so he has some HBCU ties and those kind of things. Played at Clemson out uh, of the ACC. So it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do on the offensive side of the ball. Remember, they didn't have spring ball. Texas Southern just got back spring ball this year, so they're going to look to make that work. They were on campus today, first time meeting, as they get ready to kick it off and get out into practice in the pads. So as you said, Labor Day Classic this year, for those that are into HBCU sports or just want to see some good football in regards to this, this is a year that be intriguing because you just don't quite know what's going to happen uh, because we don't know what Willie Simmons is going to do on the offensive side of the ball. And I was hoping that the game would be on Sunday, so i go go to both. Yeah. But since it's on Saturday, both are on Saturday, I'll, I'll be at U of H watching uh, and drinking and eating. That would be good. That so, means we get a chance to yeah, talk about right. the games from two different perspectives. So Same day. Uh, Unfortunately, we won't either of us get to see both. Right. Gentlemen, I'm going to give you some quotes from two coaches. Just this week, we had four unofficial visits from kids in the top 50 in the country. Basketball Just football. because they wanted to tour the facility. Hey. Football or basketball? Game changer. I was hired in April of 2014. The only thing that we've shown kids is this office. I've never taken them to Hoffines. Why would I? I don't say that jokingly. Seriously, I work here. I understand the business. I'd take them to this office, and I'd sell them on a vision. Now, I don't know if I've had anyone come to this office. We take them across the street. Nice. This isn't a pipe dream. Before, we show them these pictures of what we are going to build. Now, it's no longer a dream. It's no longer a vision. It's a reality. Now, Coach Sampson. that's Coach Sampson, the first one, the top four Unofficial visits was Coach Huey, women's side. Came in to see the new facility. Oh, now we move in a, in a, in a overly mobile situation. Yes, we are on the rise, Coach Huey says. Good for you, man. That's good. And let you know how it's oh, yeah. important facility. And you know, kids, are, that's, that's, they, they set the tone for you. They'll, they'll go back and tell. And, and now, you know, it's, it's instant when they go back and say, hey. The well, it's the fact that, that you can really get into the houses and you can get on the kids' minds versus, you know, just talking about yeah. it. Now it becomes, as you said, real. Re reality. Yep. Sight. 
Wow. And uh, today, members of the media were invited to tour the basketball. The what did you think? Ongoing construction of the basketball facility. I put on Twitter at VHR Review uh, a few things and Instagram on Houston Rombar Review, my account, Houston Rombar Review. I was impressed. This is nice. I'm looking forward to the projected completion date. Floors and all the down. Before we went on the tour, we were told late fall. I was like, oh, Lord. That's kind of vague. Late <laughs> fall. <laughs> well, let me ask this but question. But during the tour, okay. we got a date. Okay. November 11th is the projected completion date now. Now, so that's better than late, late fall. Okay. Well, uh, is it because everything is closed in now and they can actually work? You know, but yeah, because it, it was air conditioned. Oh, so yeah, we walked oh, around. Oh, so yeah, yeah, cool yeah. walking yeah. around the and, first floor, and second floor. Reason, it's a good time. People it's, may not realize it's, it's, that oh, yeah. tour is oh, all it's, over the country. It's hot it's, in Texas, Texas right yep. now. Oh yeah, it is and, very hot. And the fact that the building is days, closed in, pretty much, and you that humidity and all is hitting you at a hundred degrees. Trust me, you sweating inside, and, you, the, and it's sweating quick. First floor will be basketball courts. Second floor, we saw the. The nutritional centers, the team lounge, locker rooms. I missed some fancy stuff they were talking about having. I think Coach Sampson told us there'd be 50 to 70 TV screens to like have like a game room as well for for kids to go work out. The weight room as well. You talked about Coach Herman. The football team has a weight room. The basketball team will have a weight room as well. Men's and women's. So there'd be a place to eat meals and then also a place for snacks so now, yes i'm glad i'm glad you mentioned and that because place to eat meals coach Sampson told us even the uh uh tj mayor mar there's her two pronunciations of it it's m-a-m-e-a-g-h-e-r today during the tour told us that one of the rooms that coach Sampson references as well one of the rooms is a little dining room area it's is where uh coach Sampson said and i put it on twitter that um some place, sometime soon, we are going to the NCAA tournament, and this is where we're going to watch the election show. Nice. Now, you know what? So from this room. So, they got rooms all over the place. And the ultimate thing that impressed me, that security, especially on the second and third floors, is retinal scanners. <laughs> new new now, now, security system now. called iLock, right. as in I-E-Y-E, lock. Now, <laughs> you said retina. Yeah. <laughs> With, trust me. Folks, that's that, awesome. that, that is saying a lot. That's a, now it's going to be an individual you problem from here on out. So there will be stuff. you can go no workout, shoot, excuse that's, that's right. to not have things at your access as far as information, study, um, IT, getting stuff printed out in the in the uh, study room or whatever, having access to computers. Servers, be no excuses. And and with that, I presume I did. You, you didn't mention it, but it, it's probably down the road. On road trips, everybody will have an assigned laptop with assignments in it, directly hooked up to Doctor Cavill, as they say, to the professor. And your information needs to be in by a certain time. It had better be. Because that's where you had it. I'm working on online class today and I had students sending me stuff waiting to the last minute. I, no. You know, to, we it, reopen this? No. The deadline was 
So and so, and you, you let me it. say this: the facility is fifty-three thousand square feet. The cost is twenty-five million dollars. The first level includes a dedicated practice court for each team, men's women's team, with shared. Oh, I forgot this. Saw the uh, also rooms for the sports medicine and sports performance areas. The second level will house team areas, including locker rooms and academic slash film rooms. With the third level. Decorated for men's and women's <laughs> basketball coaching and support now, staffs. I was impressed. And Coach Sampson did say, and you can go to my men's who's blog, go to the Houston Ron Bar View YouTube channel as well. I will. Okay, now. That the renovation for Hoffines, it's coming. And he, he, he said, quote, nobody t- said not to use it. He said the prices should be about 60 to $65 million. Okay, now. Seeing as you and I have gone down the road to the new facility at uh, 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 renovations at, at uh, Aggieland and the renovations at uh, Baylor Bear, how close is U of H to either one of those facilities as far as where they need to be outside of the ILOC? Well, but, I mean, I, I, and the only all, reason all I, the stuff uh, I heard today sounds like this facility will be on par, if not better, than those facilities. And I'm going to tell you. Now, seeing it, once it's done, the, that'll be – because seeing Aggies and then Baylor, the, that's some the, impressive the, stuff there, the, man. Doc, it, it'll wear you out. That's some high-tech, it, impressive it, stuff right there. It'll wear you out because they've gotten – because both of those schools now both uh, have a 24-hour designated basketball nutrition person that has a snack area the size of this room where constantly <laughs> – you, you laugh, but Chris and I have seen it. The way you, you can come in there and twenty four hours a day and get snacks on the go. Either uh, oh, I understand it. it I'm joking. It, I, I went to Baylor a couple of years ago, and I'm sure it's had updates. But even what I seen then was very impressive. And so I know what you're saying is serious. I laugh because it always comes back to me is it's like oh they don't want to pay the players. I'm like so and, I laugh. Because and let me wrap it up funny. with this quote from the continuation of Coach Sampson's quote. When you hear a lot about the Houston high school kids, why can't we keep these kids at home? You've got to give them a reason to stay. They're not obligated to stay. Thank you. Thank you. We're in a bells and whistles generation. They're visual. They see things. These other schools have beautiful, beautiful arenas. They've got beautiful locker rooms, beautiful lounges, weight rooms, and film rooms. Locker rooms with every bell and whistle that you can imagine. We don't have any of that. Well, now we've got a practice facility that we'll put up against anybody's. And quote. folks, I'm just saying what this you because said, what you heard it. I'm saying this know. just because of the fact that I've actually visited. Now, staying in Houston and coming to Houston, a great large metropolitan place yep. starts to play in your favor. Yep. Yeah. Versus somebody wanting to go out in the country, if you right. would. Outside of the. Super winning programs like Duke and uh, uh, that's been around a while. They have these facilities and all that's been that that's that's quite that own, uh, uh, that own cruise control cruise. in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, yes. they can get away with that just because of who they were and what they represent out on the floor. And you know, they, they got yeah, but, it, but to do their credit, as you talk about Duke's facility that they play in, may be like that, but, but in terms of the, the training, training facility, it's totally it's second to none. none, yeah. Kansas, second to none. Uh-huh. So as you talk about those elite programs, they're elite not only because of history, but how they have forced and moved forward right. in terms of the future, making sure they whether adjusted. it's North Carolina, 
as you talked about, Kentucky, those facilities are second to none. One reason some people talk about Indiana. That's one thing they hadn't quite done Right. when you talk about, quote, quote, UCLA is another one who just renovated their facility. But in terms of practice facility, it's not there yet. And it's been a long time coming at UCLA. USC is even worse. Correct. And I've gone Correct. to where to the gym where Coop and them used to play at. And trust me, the day that I walked in and saw that gym, and that's the way I'm going to phrase it, <laughs> I was not happy. And this was back when uh, uh, was Cheryl was uh, uh, Cheryl Miller. Cheryl Miller was coaching the team, and I looked at that place. I looked around, and banners are hanging up, trophy cases in the hallway, and I'm like, "This is not what I expected." But well, know, in a lot of ways, it mirrors what U of H was. A lot of them. Rested on their laurels in terms of we have history. And that worked for a while, 70s, 80s, even up maybe to the 90s. But as Kelvin Sampson talked about is the fact that this is a bells and whistles generation. Yeah. So it's good to be a part of history. But if that history is not tied to modern substance in regards to facilities, it doesn't work. And that's whatever level, high school, college, HBCU, FCS, FBS, football, basketball, tennis. It doesn't matter. If you're going to want to get the best recruits, you're going to have to have the facilities to do it. And in a lot of ways, you have this arm race because they don't want to pay um, the students that you have money being paid in it. So it makes those schools that don't have the money to do it or freezing at why they won't do it or taking their time to do it, it's why they having problems. And let me, let me say this. Which will this. be interesting as we talk about this. We just talked about Prairie View. Where is they going to put Prairie View in terms of the SWAC and FCS in regards to a state-of-art facility they'll get open next year? It's going to change the game. The beginning of Coach Sampson's interview, and it's roughly 15 minutes, and like I said, you can go to – my men's whose blog or the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel to see the entire video uh, interview is Coach Sampson talks about his team and the practices that they've had to prepare for their upcoming trip to China, which will be August 11th through the 20th. And they've had, I think, six practices thus far, and he's really enjoyed the competition and the fact that he has depth now, the fact he has more than seven healthy bodies to actually practice. And how those practices and the trip overall will be beneficial for the team and the players for this upcoming season because they've had a chance to early on experience what Coach Sampson expects from them this season on the court, in practice, the competition, the the uh, speed that it's going to take to compete at, at a higher level. He, he referenced Gayla Robinson Jr. and yeah. how he's, he's looked good, but hey. he still has to adjust – Physically to D one basketball has he uh, uh is did he get in depth with uh, with the uh, player of the year uh, coming in has he no, no. has he uh, he touched on each of the, each of the guards a little bit in backcourt he's he's been impressed with uh, Leron Barnes his old man River his glue guys he talks about 
But all of he loves him. Lot, he loves he, oh, he says that. And he, he like I said, you watch the watch the interview, and you will really get, he a, loves him get an idea of how he how he really enjoys coaching Le- LeBron Barnes. But that, talk that, about Damian Dotson. So we know we gonna we're gonna talk no, about Damian Dotson a lot no. this, this coming season during podcast. But how Damian Dotson's played well, look good in practice. Chicken Knowles has looked good in practice. He's been coach has been impressed with how hard and how much they compete in practice, which is it's a good start. So, like I said, he referenced the last thing that he said to us. You know, one thing he said was about we are going to be in the NCAA tournament soon enough. In that room, we will have our selection show viewing in that room. So there's one for selection Sunday for the fellas, and there's a room for selection Monday for the women. So, Coach Huey, you're on the clock, too. I haven't got about you, and I'll get more discussion with you since you're bringing you all big time now. You got top fifty players making unofficial visits, so apparently come <laughs> come see what you're doing. So apparently you you're doing something right because first things first, you got to get them to come talk to you. Got to come see what you yeah, got first. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that, so that's, that's a start. And you know what that tells me? They had a good summer. Yes. They had a real good summer yes. because I can't remember a coach since you know saying, "Hey, somebody showed up." Yeah, you know, on their, on their own, right. on their own now. Not not that they had that we we gave them a, a this is your weekend to come and visit. Somebody showed up on their own after the summer, and one young lady came back. Oh, made a second trip. So she, I think she had her unofficial a little while ago, and she came back. So the facility is making an impression on the recruits. So that's a start. So that's a good sign for U of H basketball. And it's on the women's side, I already told you, I told the listeners, I'm tired of. UConn rolling through this conference unscathed. So it's time USF is doing their part yep. to a point, but need more teams in the conference. You got a challenge to challenge UConn. Got a challenge. I'm, I'm just tired of seeing these 50, 40, 50 point butt whoopings from conference play. Uh, I'll get into UConn's non conference schedule. They announced that today. It's, it's, it's nice. It's very nice. Uh, and as I finish up on uh, the uh, on the American, I made a promise. On yesterday, just because of what transpired now before we got going, uh, uh, just while we had breakfast and all yesterday morning, I will be going to Tulane for a, uh, a one of their home games, and I got to figure it out when. But it it may be it may happen a lot sooner than I wanted it to because the <laughs> the the, uh, the Georgia Tech game is interesting. Uh, it's it's on the road, but they've got another home uh, another home game that I'm thinking about making, and I'm thinking it's UConn because I don't think they come in to play U of H. No, they don't. They uh, and UConn may be the game I may may make it because uh, I made a promise to, uh, to uh, CJ that I would be in to check them out. They've got a lot of things going on at, at, at Tulane. He says they are ready to come back on campus. He said there's there's an excitement that hadn't been since. The uh, Sugar Bowl was on campus before they uh, before they moved it off campus to the Superdome. Doc, it's 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 been a long time coming, you know, for them to uh, on that end. Uh, uh, what is that? The, uh, um, what is that area where Tulane is? Uh, can you? I can't reference it, but they, they've been waiting on that. They've been waiting on playing at home in their own stadium on campus. That's an excitement. He said it hadn't happened in a while. The other thing too, by the fact that Tulane is pushing. Pressing, uh, the kids in the area now, uh, private school ki- uh, kids, starting to look at Tulane as a place to stay instead of rolling out, 
you know, elsewhere, which I think is very nice. Good for them. All right. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I'm just... Is he referencing over there? Since I touched on it real quick, see, this is why I respect Gina Oriema. And he's, but he's also got to do it because the conference overall is not top-notch. Hey. And he's taking it takes a little... He, he forced everybody to schedule them. He forced everybody to schedule them. not where it needs to be just yet. He forced it. And UConn, Maryland have agreed to a, a three-game uh, deal. They're going to this first game will be in part, as part of the Maggie Dixon Classic. But UConn is also going to play South Carolina again in the regular season. They're going to play Notre Dame in the you know non-conference See. Yeah, you elite, you play elite. That's what I'm talking about. That's why I respect Gino Oriema, and the, that's why they are the queen of the mountain. They're not afraid to to play other top notch programs and mash them <laughs> into submission. <laughs> yeah, because at, at some point, Doc, you you witnessed it. At some point, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I'm at, at some it. point, at some point, it's gonna happen. They, it's, it's hey, they beat the number two team in the country by twenty points. Yep. Okay, that's, so that's that's that's, that's where really we are. And, and, and the worst part about it was they thought they had solved that in the middle of that game, and then all of a sudden that drought happened, and they just had no answer. Yeah. But but UConn comes off fines this season, <laughs> Doc. I'll be in the house again. Okay, <laughs> I, 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 but I, like I said, Doc, I, I'll finalize tomorrow. I'll know for sure, uh, but it looks like uh, that's going to happen. Yeah. UConn, as Wildcat referenced. Years before, prior, the train is coming offline. So, listeners, you want to see greatness in person? Yeah. If you're in town, yeah, get your tickets because they do have. A, I need to real quick. Yeah, they still got to take a U, kid on there. U of H, uh, women's athletics has like a fifty dollar season ticket package for basketball, volleyball, and softball, something like that. That you spend fifty dollars, you get tickets to all the sports. So. Nice. I give the I give the marketing. They're they're doing. Yeah, they move. They must be new folks they, in charge. No, no, what they did was. Oh, you didn't get that memo. They moved marketing off campus now. Somebody so, else. That, so new folks are in charge. Yeah. Okay. I, I, so I, good. It's not on campus anymore. I mean, it's on campus involved, but as far as the day to day running of the, the taking care of the marketing and ticketing, it's off campus now. Here we go. It's the Houston Athletics Fan Experience Headquarters announced the creation of the Shasta Pass. For the 2015-16 year, for just 50 bucks, Houston fans can purchase the pass, allowing season-long general admission entrance to the to Houston women's basketball, volleyball, soccer, and softball. Nice. So good kudos to U of H administration for recognizing some, some weaknesses and trying to strengthen them. Wildcat, how can folks find you on the Internet, sir. You can find me at uh, Twitter and Facebook at J L Woodley One, Jerry L Woodley Jr. You can find me elsewhere at SoundCloud, uh, Blogger, TweetDeck, and uh, YouTube, AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Report. And I'm in the process now of, of getting my, my, uh, my interviews and all, all set up uh, and we'll be unleashing them on the public 
uh, within the next couple of days. It's taking me a while because the files are huge. Um, and that's, I got to take you out because you're busy. Well, the other thing is, I, I think I'm, uh, I, I reset something in, in my cameras and in my equipment that I shouldn't have and should have just left it alone. But when you, when you're moving around and all and, and, and traveling, it happens. It, it happens. And TSA does not play. Trust me. I witnessed on two trips. You can be stupid if you want to. They got an answer for you. Doc, real quick. <laughs> any update on uh, Union and Northwest, Northwestern football? Northwestern football? No, I hadn't heard any updates. So. We got a question to ask on that on, on our Facebook. Yeah, we did. So, Yeah, we're still waiting in regards to the Union. The last one that we did hear about really goes back to um, UCLA uh, ruling coming out of uh, O'Bannon, I'm sorry. I was thinking about UCLA player, but O'Bannon's case that came out of Florida, uh, it was frozen before they actually did an appeal, which means that the NCAA uh, had the advantage of not having to enact uh, playing players this fall. Um, so before the judge actually gave a ruling, he did uh, provide that uh, freeze, if you would, for lack of better words, in terms of moving that. So that's one update in terms of some laws that are out there whether the players get to move forward in regard. We're still waiting on the decision of Northwestern as it is on appeals. And so it'll be interesting moving forward. Before I give my information, I would like to say this, uh, to make sure we full round it as we do. I'm watching you Astros first place. I like the move with Carlos Gomez, the trade acquisition, if you would, out of Milwaukee. I think he's playing dividends, had his first home run yesterday. Couple of RBIs the game before that, so he's looking good uh, getting back in there. Obviously, the rookie Carlos Carrera is still playing some very good baseball pitches, are pitching very well. So, Astros first place, kudos to them. Uh, just need to find a way to hold on. Have the uh, series as you talked about earlier, Dallas. They're playing the Texas Rangers, so the boot is up for taking. With uh, Astros winning, maybe that's a little more interesting. The stands are filling up up there still at Minute Maid Park. Me, the way, but still baseball. So, hey, that's right now. They, they get some things done, Doc. Keep it. Keep that up. Keep that up. <laughs> yeah, keep uh, but it I did want to put it out there. I'm paying attention. And that's good. Yeah, because Scott Cashmere is pitching very well for the Astros so far. Exactly. You know, yeah. it's, it's the businessman specials, folks. Because next season, tickets prices going up. Yeah, Trust you better me. get on it. You, you better, better get, get on, on it now. Good point. Because. I'm gonna tell you. Go get my and the, and the, also the uh, the uh, uh, the hill goes out at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, so you need to get out and, and take a photo. How <laughs> can folks find you, sir? Yes, you can find me on the social media platforms at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's D R K E N Y A T T A C A V I L. That's D R K E N Y A T T A C A V I L. I'm the sports professor, aka the data doctor, as many people will say it different times. I'm a professor of sport management, Texas Southern University. You can also catch me on my weekly radio show, live, caseways.radio.com. Uh, that's 12.30 a.m. on the dial if you're listening in the evening, coming or going from work. Uh, 7 to 8, every Tuesday, 7 to 8 Central Standard Time. If you're not able to catch it uh, in terms of being in the car, as I said, www.caseways.radio.com. Tuning apps, case app itself. You can listen on the go. You can't catch it live. SoundCloud, Dr. K- 
Kenyatta Cavill's inside the HBCU Sports Lab or Dr. Cavill's inside the HBCU Sports Lab. You can get it as a podcast right there. So yesterday's show has just been uploaded, so get to it. Had an intriguing conversation that really didn't want to tie up the podcast with, but just to give share with some people, a big move that was made was the Bayou Classic moving from NBC to NBC Sports. Well, I brought in the expert, if you would, DET exec Curtis Simons, uh, previously was a uh, former, I should say, DET executive, currently the president and CEO of HBCUX, a digital network. He was responsible for actually broadcasting and getting the game in the Bahamas last year with Texas Southern University playing Central State. So I had him talking about some of the frameworks of broadcasting games and why were some of the inside reasons you would think a corporate person would understand why that game would move to from uh, NBC to NBC Sports. So if you want to listen to some of those rationales, some of those reasons, I think it's an intriguing conversation. We also talked about MEAC going a little more depth. So if you want to hear about that, those HBCU fans out there in particular, uh, go to Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab on SoundCloud, and you can get that. Also, a little bit more of a nugget. You can get this where the interviews of – 10 of the 11 MEAC coaches. I have those interviews for you. So if you want to get excited about the season and hear what your coach says, go to Dr. Ville's Inside HBC Sports Lab. We have it. Fresh take. Can't get it anywhere else. So um, that's pretty much all I have for you. Outstanding. Outstanding. Doc, Wildcat, thank you very much as always. I am KG (coughs) of the Houston Brown Ball Review www.houstonroundballreview.com Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram VHR Review on Twitter I asked my colleague at the Chronicle Joseph Duarte to help me learn how to use Periscope since JD was using it today at U of H while we toured the Basketball Development Center he got some positive feedback for what he did with it Periscope today and so he'll help me with that. So another high-tech tool slash toy for us to use in this coming season. Definitely. Just so look, look for that. Trained on it. I'm next. Yep. So we'll do that. So we also have our, our uh, podcast fight. on on uh, SoundCloud as right. well as iTunes. Our KG, Fifth World Wildcat, and Doc Facebook page. Getting questions and feedback on there as well. So thank you as always for your time and your interest in the podcast. Going to wrap it up. And next podcast, Doc, give you some homework. Let's discuss a little bit of Miss Ronda Rousey. We'll talk about her and her growing popularity. Controversy. No, no. Growing popularity and her growing economic base. So she is she's she is the it person right now in sports. Yeah, we'll dig into that. So we'll talk about that. And then compare her despite how much of an it person she is in sports, and you can compare the amount of buys she generated as a headliner of the previous uh, UFC MMA card compared to Money Mayweather and number of buys he gets despite the fu- the fact people can't stand Floyd the buys that Floyd gets 
dwarfs anything anybody else gets. Right. So just keep that in mind. Keep all in perspective. So that'd be probably what we talk about in our next podcast. Thank you as always, gentlemen. We're going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.